Welcome to Cordell and Cordell's Men's Divorce Podcast, moderated by managing partner and CEO Scott Trout, bringing you information for guys before, during, and after divorce, and everything related to family law. This podcast is not to be taken as legal advice, and no attorney-client relationship is established. Hey, welcome to the Men's Divorce Podcast. I'm Scott Trout, Managing Partner and CEO of Cordell & Cordell. And we bring you more information for guys before, during, and after divorce on this podcast and trying to make sense of the challenges every guy faces in family law. And today is no different. We're going to talk about something really interesting, and it comes up quite often, that is hiding assets and income. And how do you find them if you're on the opposite side? And But I can tell you, it's always the question that we're asked, hey, how do I hide my assets? Should I hide my assets? And if I could answer that question, uh, then I think I'd have a lot more clients than I could handle, but I certainly can't tell you how to hide them. So we're joined by Lauren today to talk about that. Welcome. Hi, my name is Lauren. I'm an attorney uh, here in the Dallas, Texas office, and I'm happy to be talking uh, kind of thought of the fun name hide and seek for today. Yeah, yeah hide and seek is definitely appropriate. Uh, no doubt about it. And I think it honestly, as you mentioned, I mean, it is, you, you know, we're, I'm in the process of trying to find to seek income on the other side. And that happens a lot um, where we have a spouse who claims, uh, oh, I don't have any money. I'm not making enough. And there are cash uh, tips type of employment. So we've got to go find it. Interestingly, I know we're going to talk about some of these uh, areas that you can look. And, you know, the first one, and obviously before we get further, you know, this is not legal advice. This is, you know, just really informational, educational. And and the only way to do that is through a consult with one of our attorneys like Lauren. And uh, you can find us on the web at cordellcordell.com or uh, give us a call at 866-DADS-LAW. So, okay. Uh, one of the best ways to find stuff. Let's talk about the hide and or the seek part a little bit. Discovery. We you know, lawyers tend to use that word and really not give much thought as to explaining what it is. And that really, I would imagine, would be the first place if you're out there listening and watching. You want to go to your attorney and you want to talk discovery. So talk a little bit about discovery. All right. So discovery, it's essentially an information gathering process uh, that we use in litigation. And so especially in cases where finances are at issue, both sides are entitled to financial disclosure. but it's something that you have to ask for. So in Texas, like if child support's at issue, spousal support's at issue, the uh, law does now require some initial mandatory disclosures, but the information is very minimal. It's like, hey, here, provide your last two pay stubs, provide the last two years tax returns or W-2s. But we all know that's not necessarily the end all be all of what income may or may not be. So you have to ask for this discovery. Uh, so there's different types of discovery. There's, we call them requests for production here. So, hey, I want you to produce all these different types of records. Uh, you can do interrogatory. So send 
written questions to the other side saying, hey, I want you to answer all these questions. Mm -hmm. Well, um, the problem with interrogatories is that you're usually limited on the number of written questions that you can send to the other side. Uh, so another option would be a deposition to actually sit down and have a conversation. And what's nice about depositions too is that uh, you don't necessarily have the other side's attorney filtering the answer for you. Yeah. You get the response, you get it directly from the person. You can also do uh you know, appraisals, um, go out and actually inspect the property, things like that. So there's all different kinds of mechanisms that you can use in this K and your case is just that you have to know what they are and actually know what to request. Yeah. I mean, always, there's a, uh, when we do these seminars, 10 stupidest mistakes guys make when facing divorce and we're getting ready to do one in Atlanta, uh, in July 20th and 21st. So check it out on our website, cordellcordell.com. It's free. 10 stupidest mistakes. Come join, ask questions just like this. Really, I think you know, good lawyers find bad people. And I say that because we use these mechanisms, depositions or appraisals, which lead to perhaps even subpoena. Like example, one of the cases I'm handling now, we're going after Venmo. We, there's a whole bunch of money where this um, client or the spouse on the other side is getting uh, tips via Venmo. Magically, imagine it does not appear anywhere on their disclosure that they have a Venmo account with tens of thousands of dollars sitting in it. So we wouldn't know that without doing a deposition where they say, oh yeah, I have a Venmo. Do you have a Venmo? Yes. And uh, so now we get to go subpoena Venmo. So the question is, I kind of led into that is, okay, yeah, that sounds great, Lauren. We're going to do depots, but what's the point? What are these commonly hidden items? What What are guys looking for? What is out there that they should be thinking about trying to discover? Sure. And so, you know, when we have these discovery requests that uh, that we use, they are, you know, there's, you know, a lot of attorneys have just some basic forms, things like that, but we don't, we shouldn't just stop at what's in the form book. We need to be thinking outside the box. A lot of these forms were created um, back before, you know, think Venmo was created. Uh, so you have to be keeping up with uh, these different ideas and, so, for example, like Venmo or cash, uh, these non-bank financial accounts um, like PayPal or cryptocurrency, you should be looking for these things. Uh, cash is especially notoriously hard to trace. Uh, it's, there is no record keeping of it generally unless somebody happens to be keeping uh, you know, yeah. their own handwritten logs. So, you know, there might be money in a safe. If you happen to know in your case that there might be cash laying around. If you happen to see, see witness it, you know, take pictures of it, count it. Um, if you have employment that's based on cash, so like uh, waitresses or waiters and waitresses, people in the service industry, babysitters, photographers, you know, you want to look at like what their schedules are, uh, what income if they reported any on their incomes, like. Uh, in my state, the minimum wage for uh, waiters and waitresses is $2.13 per hour because they get tips. Right. And so your paycheck, if you get them, is only going, sometimes it's zero. I remember that when I was in high school and college, having $0 paychecks because all of my income was just cash tips. And so that's, and people don't always 
deposit all of their cash into their bank accounts. So, you know, those are things that can be hard to trace. So you definitely need to be looking at that and you can be asking, all right, well, what are your sales? What do you walk away with on a general night? Maybe be talking to some of the other people that work at that restaurant or be going in and looking at the Venmo, his account history, things like that. So something with Venmo that was a recent development was the IRS kind of caught on. And so uh, we may have heard lately that, oh, well, now you're going to get a 1099 from Venmo if your transactions exceed like $600 in, uh, in a given year. However, uh, that's only if the transactions are actually marked right. uh, when you make the payment as being for service. Uh, and I don't know about you, but I don't always check that. Right. Um, so they ignore that. They, they yeah. That. Right. And so that can be, uh, you can't just rely on the basic tax forms. You have to be asking for uh, this Venmo, um, yep. PayPal, actually looking for those records. I think cash now in the economy and inflation and maybe you know recession i think you tend to start seeing people hoard cash and not in putting them in institutions there's you know some negative press about banking institutions and so you now start seeing people accumulating cash especially as you suggest those individuals who are getting tips hairdressers uh, they may throw parties at night you know that this makeup and whatever it may be and they're doing cash transactions and or they get checks and they just go to the bank and cash them rather than deposit them. So there's ways to look at it. I think it's a good start. I, I, I've subpoenaed just random banks, you know, those that weren't even disclosed just in the event that they may have an account that they didn't disclose and believe it or not, I found them and that they're sitting there. Um, and then, you know, so I think that's really important. And crypto, you mentioned crypto, you know, in the age of this, now people are saying, okay, I'll sell you this for cryptocurrency. Largely, very difficult to trace unless you they keep it in you know these general Coinbase apps you know if that's where they're in transacting you know crypto you can subpoena that but it's very difficult and I know that's even what the IRS is trying to clamp down on the transaction of crypto so uncashed checks and bonuses I've I've actually had that happen where someone got a a check and then just kept it for a while have you seen that Oh yeah absolutely or you know especially like in a divorce, people think, all right, well, you know, it's not going to hit in my bank account, but it's actually money that you have. Mm -hmm. um, it's just not sitting in your bank account. So that is includable. You can't hide it. That's uh, you are, if something's requested of you, you are obligated to disclose it. But again, the question being, all right, was it actually requested of you to right. disclose it? But again, so you have to know to ask for it, especially if you're on the requesting side, be looking yeah. for the types of things. Um, that's especially common in uh, independent contractor type cases or people that own their own businesses trying to sit on information so it's not technically on the books yet so you want to be looking for those uh type things so look at uh like employment contracts look at the books and accounts receivable that these businesses have so you can trying to be tracked it income yeah. rather than just looking at the bank accounts and yeah, delaying invoicing delaying the collection of receivables postponing the billing of a project you're doing until, well, magically, it's the week after the trial or the divorce judgment, those types of things. Uh, those are often, you know, you just have to ask the right questions. I think that's when you started with, how do you find things like that? 
that's discovery, it's deposition. And your attorney, that's why it's really valuable to sit down one with an attorney who practices in family law. And this is, not, if not exclusively, primarily. And they've got the experience and, and knowledge to know the questions to ask, because those are key. You're not going to get the answer unless you ask the right question. You know, do, what are your projects that you have? When do they start? When do they finish? When are, have you built them? What is the estimated you know, cost? Those types of things. You know, and just ask the question, hey, do you have any uh, checks, income, or otherwise you have not yet negotiated or cashed? Hope that you catch them. And you know, they may say no, and they may maintain it. And if you can find it now, you really, that leads into a whole nother topic in a podcast, which talks about credibility and catching someone in a lie. You know, I always said in these seminars, again, I mentioned the seminars. If you have any interest, go to our website. We've got one in Indy, got one in Atlanta. Uh, it's really good stuff to just kind of digest about. There was a commercial in the 70s, Lay's potato chips. You just can't eat one. It's like a lie. You can't just have one lie. It's just a lie upon a lie that builds. And that's so key, especially in this area when you're trying to hide assets. And then of interest, I know you mentioned appraisals of property. Um, but some people tend to hide furnishings, furniture, very expensive items, paintings, jewelry. Uh, they may, uh, you know, empty out of safe deposit box, if you know what that is anymore. Uh, it's not that popular anymore. Uh, but the safe, the contents of a safe, I mean, those are things that you're going to want to inventory before you leave, take photos. So isn't that something also they should be concerned about? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, especially like with safe deposit boxes, there's generally not a register of what was actually inside of them. And so if you know that there's a safe deposit box in your case, you know, go take a picture of the contents. uh, So you have record of what was actually there. Uh, And sometimes, you know, just well, one of the top 10 mistakes that uh, men make in divorce is uh, leaving the house. And so but, you know, if and when you do leave the house, you want to be taking a good look at, all right, well, what actually is in the house? That's a value. That's often something that gets left off of the inventory spreadsheet when we're comparing what are the assets of the parties of, all right, well, you've got an entire household worth of furniture and furnishings and electronics and all these other things. And that has value. Mm-hmm. And so you want to be looking at, all right, well, is that rug that's in the living room is that was that just like a $300 rug from TJ Maxx or is it actually like you know nice $1,500 rug or even more um so a lot of times attorneys we don't necessarily want to argue about you know salt and pepper shakers and things like that because that's not necessarily the best use of your attorney's fees but in the aggregate if you've got you know a bunch of household items you know that is something that you should be considering in as far as your assets. Um, Another is like jewelry. Um, Sometimes people have collections. I've got a client right now with like a comic book collection, or um, my husband has some different sporting goods equipment, things like that. That's actually very expensive. Baseballs, Um, (laughs) signed jerseys, autographs, right? All this, this sports memorabilia is really a big one out there. Yeah. And so, you know, it might not be that important to you and yeah, you know, let the other side have it, but again, it has value. And so uh, you want to be accounting for that as far as, you know, division of the assets or just generally what resources do they have available? Um, You know, if they're not wanting to pay, you know, some of their support obligations, it's not like, all right, well, you know, 
sell some of your things and then you'll have liquid cash available. Yep. So, you know, guys are thinking, okay, great, Lauren, sounds good. I get it. We want to find it. But what are the consequences if I don't ask the right questions, if I don't take your advice here and I don't tell my lawyer, hey, do a depot, let's ask the questions. What, you know, what's, what, what's the downside? All right. Well, so while you're in the litigation process, that is your opportunity to be asking these questions and making these investigations. And so if you had the opportunity to request it and didn't, that's going to be held against you. So if you find out, you know, a month after your divorce is final that, oh, well, I didn't know that they had this bonus coming. Well, that bonus was now received after divorce. um, And now that's not part of your property division um, versus, you know, if you had known about it before, that may have been something that you could have addressed. So you could potentially be leaving money on the table. Uh, Property divisions and divorce, they're final. At least they are in Texas Mm -hmm. and other states. But so you want to be careful and be looking at in your divorce decree, do you have what I call global awards? So saying all bank accounts, all retirement Mm -hmm. benefits, you know, the use of the word all is very important because that's especially important when you're saying, all right, well, I knew about this one bank account, but I didn't know about this other hidden account. Well, you agreed to all. So Mm -hmm. regardless of whether or not you knew about it, you are deemed to have had the ability to find out about it then. Um, But the important part too, is that if there was an asset that wasn't divided in your divorce um, and it was like it wasn't actually addressed in your divorce property division that's another can of worms texas if you know sometimes people forget to oh yeah i forgot i had a house it's unfortunate but it just happened it seems unrealistic <laughs> right. but it does happen uh that you know sometimes people forget about the you know to divide these big assets uh, and so then you could end up in you know post-divorce litigation yeah. to divide an undivided asset or the really big um, scary aspect is what if it actually was requested of you and you didn't disclose it? Well, attorneys, we have a duty of candor, so we cannot help our clients hide assets. Um, but if there was fraud, well, that can reopen your litigation too. So we definitely uh, don't want to be in that sort of situation. Yeah. The judge will not be happy with you. Yeah, oh, I forgot this bank account. Really? Yeah. You have a statement sitting in your house. No, it is. It's one of those things. It, it gets we, we brushed on the idea of um, believability, truth, and what the judge, you know, the judge is your jury. And, and except in Texas and Georgia, you can have juries, uh, believe it or not. And, um, you know, you just candor isn't so important. And especially if you're trying to find the assets. So, I think that's this is why I think this topic was so unique and good and, and timely, especially now when you know times are tough and people are saving and trying to you know scrape up money and whatever it may be and uh, distrust of maybe yeah bank institutions those types of things. So thanks for joining today, Lauren. Good stuff. Appreciate it. Not a problem. Thanks for having me, Scott. Well, check us out, CordellCordell.com. You can check our YouTube channel. It is filled with uh, videos, podcasts, town halls, which we do once every month. So check that out if you don't know what I'm talking about. It's where you can log in and uh, log on and get online with a panel of attorneys for an hour. And uh, we can ask questions and get answers right then and right there. 
Go to our website. You'll get more information about the next virtual town hall. And we have seminars, like I mentioned, coming up in Atlanta on the 20th and 21st of July. Free, again, nothing, no no, no, uh, no tags, no nothing, no no requirements. You just show up and you can just leave if you want. And uh, so check us out. Again, give us a call, 866-DADS-LAW, CordellCordell.com. So until next time, have a great week.